Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. Man, we got a great show for people today, don't we? I am so excited. We're going to be talking to... Michelangelo Badio. Formerly from... Nitro and Holland and a bunch of other bands, some of which he mentions in uh, the uh, interview. It's almost as if we'd already spoken to him. You can can see the future? Yeah, I... I am predicting psychically that he will he will talk about other bands, Jim. Shh, don't say anything. You're not supposed to draw attention to it. If uh, if those of you that are tuning in for the first time, uh, you should know that we run a regular podcast, uh, and uh, you should check out some of our other episodes. If you are listening regularly, uh, regu- regularly, join the Practical Guitarist Facebook group. And as always, you can review us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Google Play Store, etc. Um, if you have a question for us and you want to reach out to us directly, you can do so via the Practical Guitarist Podcast at gmail.com. And without further ado, we will begin our interview with Michael Angelo Badio. Hi, we're here with uh, Michael Angelo Badio. So, Hello. Fantastic, man. Uh, Jim, my, my cohort, is uh, sitting there silently. He's supposed to introduce himself. Hi, I'm Jim. Yeah, so, um, dude, I gotta say, catching your show the other night, like, I haven't seen you perform live. Um, I've seen a lot of YouTube clips. I've talked to a lot of guys that either have met you uh, or have played, you know, uh, or not played, but but gone to like your seminars and stuff. And they always talk about what a great like both performer and educator you are. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Yeah, I think oh, the thanks. last time I saw you, uh, you were doing a seminar somewhere in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm going to be uh, in New York uh, soon again uh, in July to perform. And uh, yeah, I I played a lot in New York. It's one of the biggest areas for me, New York City and upstate. Oh yeah, it's a big metal area, from what I understand. We have uh, we have some listeners that are that are uh, really into the metal scene up there. So yeah, Rochester, uh, Buffalo, kind of you know they refer to it as the snow belt, but I'm in <laughs> Chicago. Now and it's there's snow on the ground in April. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm looking out the window right now and I'm seeing snow. I'm going, what is the you know yeah. what is the deal here? It is so you're, hot you're up right in Evanston, now. right? You're like yeah. up in the Evanston area. What right? is it? 80 degrees by you? It's I'm so hot. Uh, you're lucky I have a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, man, what what can be said about your career that uh, that hasn't been said before? I I don't oh want to because I know you've done interviews with like uh, um. Amps and Axes and some of the other podcasts that are out there. Um, I don't want to try to retread over the same territory. I know their whole thing is like, let's talk about how you started and then like go, you know, go down the line. Um, I want to talk about what you're doing now. And that, and that's the big thing. So um, obviously you're plugging your, your new record that that's, you know, or, or your tour that's going on right now um, with uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Or what's the, uh, the name of the singer? I can't remember. I, I saw her the other night. She was fantastic. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, this year has been a lot of change for me. And and I think, uh, you know, there's that old philosophical saying, the only constant is change. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I had a, a big change in my personal life. I, I've lost 
basically my entire family, you know, I mean, my younger sister exactly. passed away and I'm not saying this for gloom and doom, but my mom passed away a couple months ago and I was supposed to, uh, uh, tour with nitro and we reformed nitro. We had Chris. Right. Adler. right. I, we heard that record. It was really good. It just didn't happen. Um, it, you know, we couldn't just get it rocking and, and Chris and I are still real close and I'm good friends with Jim too. And, and so anyway, what what I decided is for the last year and a half, I, I write a lot. I've had 12 solo albums out. You know, people don't know me as a writer, but I mean, I, I've written a lot of music and, you know, songs yeah. and movies and, you know, just a lot of things. And, uh, and and even the song No Boundaries, my instrumental song, it's a really famous instrumental guitar song. And yeah. and, uh, and so but um, so what I'm doing this year is Marcy and I got together with an agent in Europe. And he, I did a record a couple of years ago um, with a girl singer from uh, Italy named Jana Kila. She's amazing. She picture a younger Janis Joplin. Literally, wow. she had a super high soprano range. She was on The Voice in Italy. She almost won, and, and she's really phenomenal. And so we did this record, and it was all my music. And, and so we did some of my old songs called Gotta Run and and things from my band. How, so anyway, I know I'm kind of making a long story out of this, but um, what happened was uh, last year I was scheduled to tour Europe. And the agent named Stefano said, you know, Michael, I have still have CDs left over from <laughs> and, and uh, because the band, we called it MAB and Black Hornets. And, okay. and uh Jonna was not available to do the tour. We had another guy singer who's on the road right now with Uli John Roth, and his name is Pierre. He's really great. Uh, he's, he tours with a lot of big artists in Europe. He was going to be our singer. And the, and the agent goes, no, I want a female singer. He goes, do you know of anybody? I go, I saw Marcy online. I saw her doing an Instagram search. I don't know if you guys, you know, just. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here I see this beautiful singer. She sings great. I recommended her. So the agent auditions her. He likes her. We do the tour. She ends up coming here. Uh, she's here permanently. And uh, so we've been we've been doing shows together. So uh, and she's great. You know, it, oh, it's yes, a, she is. She, it's a totally different format to me. It's not my typical prog shreddy stuff. We're not using the tracks. Um, it's like an organic 70s jam band. Like we're doing. Yeah. Something. He likes to sing. And I. My rule is there's no rule when it comes to the solo section. We can change keys. We do it like when I was a kid, like the Almond Brothers with virtual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I got that vibe the other night when I was there. Um, and she, and like when you brought her out, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I, I, I she sings great. Yeah, yeah I was so jealous. Great. Dave, Dave sends <laughs> me this. This I'm over here, you know, talking with Mike. I'm over here, you know, watching the show, and and I just said to him, I said, you should talk to him about opening up for him, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But no, on a serious note, though, I said I am so jealous because you're over there. I hadn't seen you know, like I said, I saw you a long time ago, and I and I hadn't seen you in a while. Um, and and the problem with the uh, I can tell you, my area is just we get nobody outside of like we've got the um, uh, the standard you know pop singers, and that's pretty much it. We don't get anybody that really um, tests the boundaries of music like you do. And uh, to hear you say that you're going back to that rootsy um, feel for music, that's just, ah. Uh. Well, thanks, you know, because I, I re-signed, this is, uh, you're going to be, be the first to hear about it. There's a really cool record company in the United States called Rat Pack. And they have right. bands like, uh, you know, KXM and, 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 I mean, 
you, you name it. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody from uh, Striper and Vixen yeah. to, you know, Bisto Blanco. But anyway, my first album with them hit the charts. And, and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be releasing my new record with them. And, and cool. so uh, it, it's going to be out later this year. But, you know, it's uh, I want to, you know, I'm known for a certain thing. And, you know, I'm, I know I'm known for the highly technical shred guitar. And even though I can play a lot more and I tried to figure out with Marcy, I, I, you know, I, I, I said, OK, Nitro's not going to happen. I devoted a year and a half to this and it's not going to happen. So what, what do I do? And, and, I, and I've been wanting to either do an acoustic album, but I wanted to get away from from what every, you know, from Prague Fest. And I love Prague music. I love all this I stuff. Know. And, and and so, but what I thought with Marcy, we we first we figured out what what can she sing good? Where's her range? What does she like to do? She and our drummers, eighteen, they know more as much about classic rock as me. And, and so, you know, like I mentioned, Deep Purple, like yeah, cool. What an eighteen year old drummer knew Highway Star and all those. Yeah, stuff. and it's like yeah, it starts ripping out lazy, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, it was cool. So, but I really wanted to try something different because you know you see all these like guys on you know doing their one minute videos, you know, with the with the blues face and and everybody's trying to get play bluesy and I, I don't really want to do that. But but having this jam band, it's so much fun to do. My next show, we're debuting a new double guitar track where I'm 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 adding the double guitar jam where it's going to be. So you haven't seen this because we didn't do no, it. No, I'm I'm excited. Like I'm listening. Well, we bring RC back up. We're gonna do a, a another classic tune. I'm playing it on the double, lefty and righty, and we just jam the heck out of it. And, and awesome. it, it comes what it is, you know. It's like the way I grew up. It's jam band. It, it's no, really. It's, it and you know what? Honestly, like for me as a as a younger person coming back, like so I'm looking back at music. Whereas because I was born in '84, I'm I'm 33 years old. So He's looking just a back, kid, Michael. <laughs> I, all these bands that I that I worship, like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple, and you know, name all the '80s bands. I mean, we can go, we can just go through the list. But right. the whole thing is like when you look back at those guys, their show was never exactly the same every night. Yeah. No, no, and and I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, and that just blows my mind. And like for for today, everything is you know tempo mapped and everything, and they've got clicks in their ears. And they're and every show is is choreographed very very tightly. Yeah, we and were just talking about that. I miss how, that. How some of these bands they have their helix. Um, there's nothing wrong with that in certain contexts. I mean, if you're Shania Twain's guitar player, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you go to like your style of music, there's no way somebody could say exactly at this tempo mark we're going to go where you're going to hit your this pedal or you're going to switch amp, amp heads to this or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, they're, they're, mm-hmm. sorry. They're more about producing a studio environment in a live environment. And for me, music is a performance art, and I want to see a performance. And so that's yeah. like my big thing. And you know what? Being in a band with some younger people, see, I, I wanted to do, you know, not to sound like Monty Python, but now there's something completely different. But I wanted yeah. to. I wanted, you know, I've got 12 solo albums out. I can do five hours of my own material. A lot of it's very hard. It's very instrumental, uh, you know, uh, prog-based things. And and I love doing that. But I thought to myself, what do I have the most fun? And I had the most fun when I was a little kid getting together with, with my musician friends Friday night, 
and we play whipping posts for 35 minutes, you know, by the Almond Brothers. That sounds and, like my uh, my idea of a good night. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, we got so good at jamming that, you know, we would change keys. We would create music from it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and this is the thing, too, like, you know, you're talking about Led Zeppelin. And, and you know, I, I know Gene Simmons said, you know, rock is dead. And, and Robert Plant had a much better take on it. But here's what I can tell you from, from going to 58 countries and touring the world. The younger part of the millennial generation, the 25 and under, has really got it going on. Um, you, you see these bands um, that are real, they're very organic, they're playing, you know, guitarists really, like, I go to Instagram, I just see guitarist after guitarist after guitarist that's really young and really good. And I think the reason why we're seeing a resurgence in this, because I'm not going to say it's going to be like it was before, but I think that the youngest generation now doesn't know how good I had it in the 80s when they could throw a quarter of a million dollars into a record. They don't yeah. know that, that a label would give me $50,000 a month for tour support. They don't have, they don't know. And so, but I know this with Rat Pack, we are releasing records and, and cassettes for the new album. And, and I think you're seeing a really cool, music is alive and well right now. It's And even rock, it's just, it's in a completely different way. You know, yeah. and so, and that's one thing that's very encouraging to me, you know, so, so I, I, see, and, uh-huh. I see these whole, these whole trends that you're talking about. And I see like, as music is, is under the surface right now and it's, it's there, it's undulating, it's, it's controlling everything that's above it, but it's become a way more grassroots thing than it used to be where, you know, I mean, maybe it was that way back in the seventies and eighties and I just didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it just seems like that the industry was controlled very much by the companies in the 80s. And before that, it was a lot more, you know, organic, I guess. Well, you went to shows and you met people by seeing them. You know what I mean? Here, Here's what's happening now, though. It still is controlled by the companies. If you look at Spotify and, and you look at, at like, um, Apple Music, um, you've got Sony, you've got Warner Brothers, you've got these billion-dollar companies that are that are you know they're charging ten bucks a month to to, yeah. to get access to millions of songs. So the labels have money again. So it's not like they're broke. It's just it's so different. The artist isn't seeing it, but um, but I but I think that's just a matter of time before that changes again too. You know because mm-hmm. well the label is seeing money, um, and for the most part the artists aren't. Um, that's right. I and, see. Yeah, you're seeing money. if you see a penny. Yeah, it's got to be. It, and I do really well. I've had my own music company for a long time, my own label. I, I was doing fantastic up until about five or six years ago when really YouTube not only took hold, but you started seeing these these things like the Spotify's come out where it's become. See, now the big thing, it used to be the top 40 or being now it's playlists. If you get right. on this playlist, it's it's very different. But in many ways. It's it's kind of the same old thing. They're still right. eat the new boss, same as the old boss. Right. You know? just, gonna, I was just going to say that actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the it's same really, thing. Yeah, yeah. You had to get on certain radio stations. You had to you had to kiss the right DJ's ass, so to speak. I'm not, yeah. you know, just yeah. to be blunt, um, to get yourself played when that person was doing their thing. And you think to yourself, it, it, sometimes I, I remember when the first Nitro album came out. I mean, I was in my I think I was in my early twenties. And so uh-huh. it was it was incredible to hear that stuff. You know, you guys again, I'm yeah, a big I love fan. the second one myself. But. Um and uh but I remember that switch to grunge, and I honestly think that was kind of shoved down our throats. It was like 
because I, I honestly don't think that the that the community as a whole really wanted all that. We didn't want everything to be grunge. But as you know, because you saw it in the 80s too, there was, yeah. okay, um, Van Halen took off, so everybody's got to do what Van Halen's doing. Not that, not that I'm saying what you were doing, what was Van Halen was doing, but they were ready to look for any guitar hero to throw them up into the, you know, into the thing. And we had, we had some great people come out of it. There was you, there was Steve Vai, there was, you know, Joe Satriani and, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Well, well you we know, also I, got, we also got some crap, right? I mean, look at these guys. Um, I, I, I can't remember the name of the band, but there was one where the guy played a guitar and it had, he had like a cod piece that would send <laughs> flames and it caught fire once. And he, he, he literally said, you heard about that, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what band, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, I see, I was, I was there with grunge where, uh, grunge music, uh, we were an L.A. hair metal band. MTV refused to play us. They said our music was degrading and our videos to women. I'm thinking, oh, but rap music isn't, you know. And uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> they refused. Do refused. not start me on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were we were a product of that. See, you know, I, I kind of think it, it happened for another reason, too. And I remember sitting in L.A. when, when Skid Row's second album, Slave to the Grind, came out. And here, you know, Nitro was like the ultimate. We, you know, the biggest hair, the biggest everything. You yeah, know, fastest, he was highest larger love. than life, right? Yeah. Even our singer Jim, you know, wore his his outfit weighed eighty pounds, heavy metal. He had <laughs> he had eighty, you know, he had two thousand metal studs on it. So it was like <laughs> we took heavy metal seriously, <laughs> and we, we had fun doing it, you know. But we were we were so over the top. But I remember. When I, if you watch that song, I think it was called Monkey Business. When when the Skid Row second album came out, their hair was so ridiculously long; it was down to their waist. I'm like, yeah, holy shit, man! They're taking like they're taking hair to the extreme. And I think what happened is grunge. I think in in a lot of ways was the answer to the pendulum had swung so far in one direction. You know what I mean? Like it became hair so big. You know, we Nitro was a product of that. That it it had to swing back. See, in today's world, if I said the you know the pendulum is here and it needs to swing back, I'm not so sure anymore because the rules are changed. So I don't know. But but the grunge thing. And here's another thing that I have to admit. I think one of the reasons grunge took over the music, in my opinion, I loved Soundgarden. I love. Oh that. yeah. Sounds you know, great. Alice McChains is wonderful. You know, you know the snare drum, that piccolo snare. They started a new sound on drums. Did you, if you ever notice the '80s drums? It's very hard for me to listen to. It's very or do the battle, do the battle. It's really straight ahead. Whereas the grunge drums open it up more to towards the '70s sound, where where yeah. a lot going on. It loosened up the style. So I'm not so opposed to grunge, even though it it. It changed my life because it we got dropped from our label right. because of. But but when I look back, I'm like, well, it you know, I do like Soundgarden. I, I talked to Jerry Cantrell in an in, and in an interview, I ego they said, well, what's one of your guilty pleasures? I said, Alice in Chains, and he had that's read a it. guilty pleasure. <laughs> Let me tell you that right now, that's not guilty. <laughs> no, but Gary, Jerry came up to me goes, dude, man, he goes, I didn't think like Michelangelo would like what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, uh, he was really cool. And, I think uh, that. that- when you look at mm-hmm. grunge, I think that it was similar to when, remember when the punk movement, we were both a lot younger then, 
and the punk yeah, wave came in that. as an answer to corporate rock. I mean, you had corporate rock, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, or Jethro Tull. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think it was really that. And I honestly think, you know, as much as people say that the guitar is dying, I hear it more and more in music. I mean, it's not just Taylor Swift. I'm hearing more um, acoustic and electric guitars, even in rap songs. You hear it. It is there. You, you are exactly right. See, the, you know, um, the demise of, of guitar and rock music has been greatly exaggerated. And see, I'm glad to hear you say it. <laughs> well, it's changed. Nobody is going to expect the new ACDC. But let me tell you this. Um, how about Tyler Bryant? Um, they are really, um, and I can't remember the name of his band, but his guitar player is uh, Brad Whitford's son. And so, oh, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. And so, yeah. I mean, they're opening up for a lot of big bands. There are very organic band. Tyler Bryant's a great slide player. Um, you're seeing even uh, like these, they kind of, they broke up recently, but there was a, a band out of Finland called Santa Cruz. Really, they were total pretty boys. In fact, the singer looked very much like a young, like Jim Gillette did, the singer from Nitro, really pretty and perfect Nordic features. And, and uh, they broke up recently, but their album is really good. It, it mixes Mixes old party stuff, great guitar playing with good new production. And well, that's younger generation coming out in rock. It's killer. Oh, yeah. And, and even the, there are some that are on the cusp of like, you know, being one of those, you know, a quality, huge touring acts like like Rival Sons. Everybody knows, you know, like all the people I talk to know who they are. They've heard their music and it, they just they just haven't taken off. And that's yeah. the that's the thing. And I, I think that maybe some of the, you know, they don't have the support from their label or whatever to, to put them over the top or, or, you know, whatnot. Um, we'll see, yeah. you know, cause here's what needs to happen for guitar. It's really so simple. We need, like you said, you mentioned Taylor Swift playing guitar. When you think of pop bands in the past, even let's say Michael Jackson, he had guitar playing in his music. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of the most famous solos were in Michael Jackson music. You know, so if you start seeing Taylor Swift, I just did a, a huge uh, online show with B.B. McGill. She was Beyonce's guitar player and real nice. She's more into she's into yoga. And some, you know, she still plays really good guitar, but she's branched out into more like in, like uh, like different things, you know, personal things that that are that she's uh, passionate about. But it, when you start seeing pop musicians bringing guitars back on stage and, and you hearing it in the music. It's it's exploding, you know, because well, you it, the guitar players are there. You yeah. know what I mean? It is just it's how to find your way in this new era of 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 music. How do you how do you how do you become a rock star and be rich like the old days? You know, that's yeah. the question. And the, and I think that um, one of the things that we notice, you know, you go to American Idol. American Idol's got a live band, you know, um, and the voice has a live band. Look at look yeah. at um, uh, one of the voice. Um, uh, judges, you know, the guy from Maroon 5, he's, he's a guitar player, um, yeah. and really, really good one. Um, I don't think that we're losing guitarists, like you said, as much as people, I think it's, like they say, the, the death is, is greatly exaggerated, you know, um, and, and uh, Pink, when I went to see Pink, she had a did- sit down where she had just her guitar player and her. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's what we do in our set too. You know, me and Mars. Yeah. yeah. You, that, that's great. That Holland song you guys do is great. Yeah. Gotta run. Yeah. 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 It, you know, it's just 
I, I just, you know, I'm very, I'm still really passionate about what I do. And, and uh, you know, I watched a documentary on Elvis last night. And I think what, what ultimately happens in any, in, especially when you're, when you're, when you're in a, a field of entertainment, people aren't stupid. And I think when it's real and, and you can, you, you know, you're really playing, see, like I've used tracks and doing one-man shows around the planet for years. And the reason why, it's pretty simple. Economically, the yeah. pie's in the one slice. Right, you know, so right. I, pay any, I mean, I made four to five times the amount of money on the average that the average guy goes out to play. And then, and, and, and I was able to headline. But I found for my, and nobody ever accused me of cheating because I made the tracks really fat, but you never heard in the background, <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you weren't I, doing other things on the guitar, like you were handling the guitar never, stuff. Nobody ever accused me of not being really playing because I've always done it. But I think nowadays I'm just really into jamming. I'm into rocking it out, you know, and just really having fun. And our bass player is great. And to take the jams wherever they lead, we can change keys. And then we just have cues to bring Marcy back into the song. And uh, so it's what really I, fun. What I was super excited to see the other night um, was that. You you were playing all this stuff that was like um, you played like some Jefferson Airplane and things like that. But then you did that Pantera jam as well to, you know, get the tribute to Dime. Um, that was the highlight of the night for me. Honestly, hearing that song, I was like, holy, you know, it just it just floored me because you, you do such a great job anyway with the covers. We have Hands Without Shadows. You have several on there where you've, you know, done a tribute to other artists. Are there any that you feel like you left out, though? Well, you mean artists? Um, yeah, well, like the what you guys that you really want to tribute to that you didn't well, put I on, could, you know. I could do a tribute to Iron Maiden and Slayer and some. Yeah, really, uh, do it at the uh, same time. That'd be even better. Here's something that you know. Th this is one thing, and and I'd like. I I don't understand what happened along the way because you know every artist you know hears criticism, and, and uh, but one of the things I got criticized for, and I do not understand this at all, was that I can't write. And I'm thinking, have you ever heard "Gotta Run"? It is a great song. I wrote it with the singer. Um, how about No Boundaries? Um, people say, oh, this part's Paganini's Fifth Caprice. No, it isn't. It's my version, a, a takeoff of it. And here's something a lot of people don't know. You, I, I mean, I have a degree in music. It doesn't make me better or smarter, but yeah. I know music is my expertise. You can copyright an arrangement. My my arrangements of songs were so unique from 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 my tribute to Randy Rhodes to uh, to even Dime Bags, the way I move move these parts in and out. Part of Dime was not even Pantera's music; it's mine. And so, yeah. and like I do a Led Zeppelin tribute. We didn't do it the other night because I've done it so many times. I weave Led Zeppelin music in between my own. You can copyright an arrangement, and my versions uh, can be copyrighted because they are so different. And so. Um, so a lot of people, you know, arranging is part of what I do too. Even in the uh, first Nitro album, they hit the charts. I I arranged all the music you know, and produced it. And you know, I couldn't tell Jim exactly what to sing. You know, when it came to leads, but um, you know, he's he was a great writer. And, and uh, but I think I I have written and done a lot more writing than people really understand. And, and you know, they they take like my tribute to Randy for granted. It's a completely different take. Yeah. On Randy Rhodes playing, it sounds similar, but it's not. Or like Dime, um, I sped up Dime's 
riffs uh, uh, about five to six BPM. It's actually faster than the, the album. I did it purposely, and then I, I played some of Cemetery Gates, but I did it my own way. I listened to Dream Theater. Right, right. And, and it's, in fact, somebody came up to me and said, man, he goes, that's, that, I know it's, you said it's Cemetery Gates. He goes, well, you should just write a song around that. He goes, it's so cool, you know? And, uh, but I think I would like to do some really, really heavy covers, you know, and, and and do the magic to it. You're like, take about seven or eight Slayer songs. In fact, Kerry King told me one time, this was almost cool. He goes, dude, I check out your shit, bro. He goes, uh, he goes, why, why don't you add some Slayer in your double guitar solo? And I'm writing a new one, and I'm going to do just that. Yeah, put, <laughs> put, put rain and blood in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, I'd, love no, to hear, so- I'd love to hear your take on Run to the Hills. That would be yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been to Steve Harris's house. He's got an unbelievable place. Oh. Uh, I'm sure that's just one of them. But uh, outside of London, it's absolutely beautiful. That guy. I mean, so I used to try to play his stuff, and of course, he plays finger style. And right, I, yeah. I mean, oh. that gallop. <laughs> it's so yeah. hard. Yeah, I have to three finger that. I, uh-huh. I do too. Yeah. I, I got the Billy Sheehan school of bass playing, so yeah. when I have to play bass, like I'm like using every finger I can get my hands on. <laughs> Great bass player, nice guy too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I'd love to have him on the show as well. But um, anyway, so we were talking about uh, influences. Like, I guess um, one of the other questions I was going to ask you, and you'd start asking this all the artists we have on the show. But what's your favorite album that you didn't do? Or, uh, or if you don't have a favorite, name a couple, I guess. Well, I, I, you know, I was a big uh, Ventures fan, the instrumental okay. band Ventures. So they had one that was called Live in Japan, and uh, it was some of the most, in fact, Noki Edwards, uh, their guitarist, just passed away. They were a big influence. I mean, here's this instrumental band that sold 60 million albums. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they were like, they had a hit song doing Hawaii Five-O. Yeah, yeah. And so I would say that's one of the earliest ones. I, I like a lot of uh, Beatles things and uh, like Rubber Soul, but the American version, not the British one. Uh, the American <laughs> version to me is more continuity because the British version, I, I didn't, I didn't understand some of the like. It sounded like two different records to me when I heard it. But uh, some of the older albums, some of the newer ones. Um, let me think. Um, there, there's just so many good ones. Like, uh, like uh, there's a. Uh, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a new record. That I've listened to. The only one I can think of, uh, the newest one that I liked a lot was the latest Santa Cruz record. It's really good. It's really killer. And uh, I just got it. And uh, unfortunately, they broke up. But they're a great young band to check out. Uh, who, who else do I? But I think if I, I'm trying to think of like favorite albums because you know I don't really have a favorite album. Yeah, nobody. We're all musicians. We know. We know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I put in a, I put in a list of favorite songs, but I like cra- crazy stuff like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like September. In fact, I just heard Taylor Swift did a version of that. That's one of my favorite songs. Or, or like uh, Shining Star, and you know, I, I like a lot of things. I love, and, I love hearing the diversity in the stuff that you're you're naming because I think a lot of people um, tend to think, oh, Shred Player, you know, be albeit by or Malmsteen or you or whoever else. Like oh well, all they listen to is either heavy metal, or hard rock, or or classical well, music. You know, here's something too. You know, in our in our charged era right now, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is, and I'm not speaking politically, but in this day and age, we are trying to either eliminate the past or rewrite it. Right. Now, 
When you go to Pearl, I played at Pearl Harbor for the troops uh, in 2012. When you go to the Pearl Harbor exhibit, they do not sugarcoat it at all. In fact, they said if it offends somebody, we're sorry, but this is the way it is. That's awesome. I, I studied music. And I studied Mozart. I studied the composer's lives. And I can't for see, uh, I can't for the life of me understand like why we can judge today a person or what they did or what they believed in in the year 1776. Sure. By yeah. 2018 standards. Uh, did they know that the electricity existed? Did they know they had an internet? How do we judge? What if would we want to be judged in the year 2118? You know, I mean, and, and and so, but and so, what? And here's what I think it makes it a, what what scares me a little bit about, you know, when people what they what they don't understand. See, I make, I make, um, what I try to do is I try to learn from the past. I try to my education has taught me how to learn. Um, right. I feel I'm a better. I'm just as fast as I was. Uh, 20 years ago. And, yeah, I can and, testify to that. <laughs> I mean, I can still tear it up because I've never had a hand injury. I've analyzed what people ha- do when they get older, why they like uh, musicians when they get older have a tendency to play lighter. When they play lighter, they don't play as in tune. It's like singers. If you've ever noticed, the older a singer gets, if they haven't blown out their throat, the timber of their voice gets thinner. So that, like, the girth that they had, like, whoa, when it was younger becomes, uh, it becomes, they, it thins out as they age. And I'm yeah. trying, are there singers that have avoided that? Even, um, uh, I mean, I can think of one at Paul Rogers uh, from oh Bad Company. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. He's still phenomenal, you know? Yeah. But, um, but what I did learn from this, from, you know, I look at a lot of bands from the past. And, and it has helped me, for example, writer's block. Like I, I look at, I don't want to, I don't want to hear, a, I don't want to read a book about Mozart that's been sugarcoated because Mozart was really dirty and he was really perverted and he was yeah. really funny and he wrote songs and and compositions that are that have really perverted titles. Now, right. if somebody wants to be politically correct and say, well, this is a PG thirteen show and you know and forgets Mozart did that, well, that takes away the genius of the Hafner Symphony and the Jupiter Symphony to me, you right. know, so. You know, you got to look at it, the whole picture here, you know. So anyway, that's my tirade. But here, here's what I'm getting to, and then I'll shut up. In When I was growing up, if you listen to Top 40 Radio and look at a playlist, you are going to see the Jackson 5, right. Led Zeppelin. You might see Bachman Turner Overdrive, yeah. the Eagles. Everything was pop music. Look at Satellite Radio today. Liquid Metal. Yeah, I mean, it's all compartmentalized. Channel. Oh, right. You know, country, bluegrass. So, and then everybody complains about, you know, well, you know, you know, there's a, you know, we're being shut out of this. And we're, well, we didn't do this. It wasn't like that in the past. No, right? it became it was, compartmentalized. You know, that was a I, way to sell records. You know, why did I grow up to Earth, Wind, and Fire? Because I heard it on the radio on the Top 40 station that played Deep Purple Smoke on the Water. Now, yeah. Michael, I, I'm going to ask you a question. I could probably Google. How uh, old are you? I had just turned, I'm going to turn 62, so I'm getting up there. Well, okay, so we're only a few years apart. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's it's like when you, you know, when I grew up, it was the same thing. You could have Billy Joel on on the charts, but you also had, um, you know, Kiss on the charts. And you right. had, 
um, like you said, there was, uh, there was, yeah, there's or Lake and Palmer and right. Jethro, you know, along with, with uh, the temptations, you know, I mean, it was so over the top, right? you know, but it was about songs. It wasn't about the genre. It was top 40, whatever was a popular song at the time made it to the radio. That's right. the and way when I was playing in cover bands back then. We were, pl- we were in a top 40 band. And so you yeah. learned those music. And because you learned the music, you learned that a lot of pop music, which a lot of people want to denigrate as being simple, was not. No, no. no, no. Dan is not simple. Earth- no. <laughs> no, you're, you know, you're right. I was in a band called Episode. We were really popular. We were a cover band, and I did these mashups like I did in my covers. Like, we would do Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy. Then we would do... We, then we would do like the Eagles. Then we would do Nights in White Satin. We would do Yes. <laughs> and then we would do Kiss, Alice Cooper, and Bachman Turner Overdrive. That sounds like what Jim does now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do now. And, and yeah, today they would say, uh, "What are you? Are you confused? Uh, I think you need some. You know, I think you need some psychological help here." I was, at, was I was at an open mic the other night. Thing. Yeah, I was at an open mic the other night. I did um, uh, a cover of Mandy from uh, Barry Manilow, <laughs> and I mashed it up with. Um, uh, uh, bon Jovi, Wanted Dead or Alive, and then I threw in, you know, um, Andy Dead or Alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of, you know, if you can put those things together, you suddenly realize that, you know, music is music, and you, and yeah. and we, you know, we love all all forms of music. I mean, so now, getting back towards the guitar playing and your and your guitar playing. Typically, now that you're, um, I know when, when you go to a solo thing or when you do um, uh, one of your things that like Guitar Center or whatever, you've, you've got tracks you play to. When you're playing with Marcy, how is your rig, how does that change for you and, and the whole thing? How does that whole thing change for you? Well, um, when we were in Europe, we realized Marcy is not a metal singer. You know, see, with John, the singer that I worked with before, because she's so bluesy and she's got a really, you know, she can really rasp it out, she could pull off metal. And, and so, I, and, and like, we would do, like, the tribute to Dime in Europe with Jana, and Jana sang it. And so with Marcy, it's not her thing, you know, but she's a full-on rocker. She loves 80s music, and, you know, I mean, we're when uh, when we're on the road, we get uh, uh we we get uh, satellite radio all the time, so we're we're always listening to the hair metal station, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, here's all the stuff, you know, and I'm hearing a million Dawkins songs and all these bands, <laughs> I, you know, and uh, but it's uh, you know, and she made a comment that she goes, you know, these newer bands just don't write like this anymore, <laughs> and like you know, I'm not, you know, I. You know, I mean, I like to think, yeah, you know, because I came up in the 80s L.A. school, so I like to think, yeah, we were great back then, you know. But, uh, but you know, with Marcy, what you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, maybe being a teacher, you know, because I, I'm a great teacher because I don't teach the world according to Mikey. See, a, a lot of people like I, I've heard Paul Gilbert say he doesn't like tracks. I've heard Marty Friedman say he doesn't like arpeggios. And they're great guitar players. That's not teaching um, to say you don't like tracks. Well, what if what if a guitar player has a vehicle to get out that they use tracks? And, and so, like, see, right. I don't hate anything. Like, I know Frank Kambali really well. Not really well, but we, we're, we're pretty friendly. And, you know, we endorse the same amp company. But I'm a real fan of economy picking, and I'm very good at it. But I'm also a fan of alternate picking in the Aldi Miola school. But, see, 
I don't look at one as better than the other. I look no, at they're just two different tools. Just two different tools. So I I teach the tools. But the thing with Marcy that that I had to tell her, you know, because she wants to start her own band. She's you know she's young. She you know her goal is to 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 get her own band. And you know she's a, a very good songwriter. And I think that's cool because see for me and and in this day and age you can do like a you can, tool has a perfect circle. Okay, so you know you can do different things. And I want this band that we're in now with, with me and her and the, and the two other players to have to be a really cool vehicle to tour and to, and to do music. But the biggest change with her is to find songs that see my original music is more metal. So right. the songs that worked for her. And, and and so we we did a list of like cover songs and we found, you know, we're not doing Slayer. We're not doing, you know, Pantera. We did like a, Somebody to Love by Jefferson. Yeah, that's and that's great because she, she nails that great slick. Yeah, she kills it. Or Blondie. And we turn it in. Yeah. And my guitar sound, you know, I'm used to being a power trio with a singer. That's what I grew up on. So playing in a band is like no big deal to me. Playing solo is the thing that was shocking to me at first. You know, it's like, well, you really could do this? You, you know, can't and lean just, on somebody else when you're doing that. Now that's that's the thing. You know, people say, well, yeah, it's easier with tracks. Well, if you do good tracks and you screw up, <laughs> you can't look at the drummer and blame him. Right, you know, right. you're 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 completely exposed. Yes, guess and, whose fault it is. And it's a lot yeah. more exposed. If 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 I was to say something, it would be a, a lot further out on that ledge to be that person that's playing to a track than somebody who's playing with a full on band. Because you can yeah. always do like Eddie Van Halen said. Oh well, yeah, well Michael Anthony made a mistake. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I always make the joke. Uh, it, you know, I just turn around and give the drummer a dirty look. You know, and, and uh, but it, it's a uh, the you know the the thing that I do love tracks because I could I could add video to it. But I've also worked around done a workaround like with Marcy when we add video, um, we can still we we can control things via on stage. So I can actually control some different scenes in a song and then default to a logo. So I've been thinking about how to integrate video with a jam band and that's possible. They did it in the sixties. They did psychedelic. Yeah, show. Yeah. So if they can pull it off, so can we, you know, and that's really, really cool. Yeah. I'm really excited about this band and I like working with Marcy and, and I like working with this young drummer, uh, Nathan, he's 18 years old. He comes yeah. from a school. He's really killer. And, yeah, and he's you, a monster. I yeah, was really impressed. And he's a great kid. You know, they're just nice people. You know, that's the thing, too. I don't like working with and I'm used to being fearless leader. So, you know, like you do this, you do that. I, you know, I, I'm still like that, but I don't boss anybody around. It's like, OK, this is the song. And you got to cooperate know, at this point because you're you're jamming like it's not like you have to play, you're telling them to play this part. You know, you're like, no, look, we got to make this work as a whole. You know, but, and, you know, Marcy was telling me that, you know, when we were rehearsing this stuff. She goes, well, what am I going to do for five minutes? And I'm <laughs> like, look, at you're gorgeous. Just. Stand Just there, stand people, there. Everybody will be fine. You do know? it. Yeah. Do what Brian yeah. Johnson used to do. Go behind the amps and have a drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we have cues to come back in. You know, yeah. and it's yeah. like like visual cues and yep. and you know like to come back into the key because you know one of the things that we do when we do these solo sections we modulate immediately so yeah. we're out of the key of the song and then we take and and the rule is there are no rules we just take it where we want to take it and, and then we come back. And, and I, it's really fun because the more you jam, the more you actually can in, in, in it's called indeterminate music. Mm -hmm. And there is actually a word for spontaneous music. 
And so the idea is to create moods and feelings with these jams. And that's what we used to do when we were, we used to call them space jams when we were a kid. Yeah. One of the reasons, I don't do any drugs, but back in the day, you know, smoke a little pot. <laughs> and I get some, hey, dude, now let's like create a really cool jam, dude. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, But that was a long, long time ago. And But, you know, to have fun with the music and really make it go somewhere. It's really, it's great. I really enjoy it. That sounds like a lot of fun. And and one of the things that we've talked about on this show before is that music is a language and there is a, there is a conversation going on between you and the other musicians, even without words that expresses, Hey, we're going to move in this direction. And when I play a certain way, you might want to follow me this way. And some of it's just from jamming together and time together. And Mm -hmm. some of it, right. And some of it is from, uh, okay, I've got a cue. I'm going to play this, and when I do, that means that we're going to go into, we're going to go back into the vocal, or we're going to come out of the vocal. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, so I want to I want to shift gears for just a second. So we were talking about the the Guitar Hero thing, yeah. and actually in my notes here, I was going to ask you, is the Guitar Hero dead? And we've obviously handled that. Um, my bigger my bigger question though is a YouTube guitarist. So you've got the double guitar thing. That's like and I and and for lack of a better word, that's your stunt, right? Like you do that. Nobody else really does that to the level that you can. Um, and you have your own custom guitar that you've designed and built to do it. Um, it's incredible. But there are all these guys on the internet now on YouTube specifically that are doing these stunt kind of guitar things. Well, I just wanted to get your take on like on on what that you know what that means to you and like if that's something that you see as being an extension of like you doing that years ago and maybe them catching on saying like I have to have a gimmick too or or whatever. Um, I think so because um, you know I. I've I've never been good at copying other guitar players or copying anybody. I know a million Led Zeppelin songs. I never wanted to play like Jimmy Page. I you know I know a lot of Eric Clapton. I know a lot of Jimi Hendrix songs. But I, I I'm incapable of playing like them because I'm me. I have a sound that's mine. I have a I mean I can plug in any amp, take any guitar in. 30 seconds dial in my sound and it sounds like me. And it's it's in my head, it's in my heart, it's in my fingers. Um, and, and I think with a lot, what I used to stress at workshops is that, you know, be yourself. Here I taught my on my under-over technique, and I've taught this for 20 years. Yeah. It, took, it took until I showed this in 1987. It's my invention, too. I'm left-handed. I, I watched the classic guys. Nobody did this. Yeah, it's, it's my, incredible to see it, too. And it's my version of smashing and burning guitars. What's happened now, like people like Herman Lee have taken it or the guys in Trivium. Yeah. And Ingve does it. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're they're using my thing. So, I, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Right, right. But I think that a lot of these younger players, I think, why not? Because you want to do something to get known. And they're figure, figuring out that what they're trying to do is get something to go viral. And a, right. a viral video, and see, I've already gotten a bunch of viral videos. Yeah, so, you get, you've got your viral video from the '80s. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's still. I mean, yeah, the quad guitar, but I also have recent ones too. I did part of my double guitar solo in Florida. Dean Guitars released it. It had over half a million views on Facebook in a matter of a couple days. That's pretty. And crazy. and and the thing that fuels it is, I love it. I hate it. I hate it. I love it. I love it. I hate it. I, you need people to start arguing about that's it. That's what we go for. We go yeah, for that. Exactly go ahead and we argue. <laughs> we we have fake arguments and everything else. So. Yeah. I, I'm going to say this publicly, too, because I'll tell you where I don't allow arguments on my pages. Um, I, you know, I'm, 
My pages on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are not a democracy. They're a dictatorship, and I am a dictator. <laughs> um, I refuse. I really what, like. I, I get. I, I did a tw- twenty-four jazz progressions. I released a really cool instructional DVD through Metal Method, and I had some clown on there. Well, uh, this this is horrible. And I said, Why is it horrible? Oh, the sound sucks. I said, the sound is clear and clean, and it's played perfectly. Well, you're not a jazz guitar player. I said, I studied jazz. They go, yeah, but you're not known for it. Why don't you just stick to what you're... And in other words, there was well, nothing... Why don't you stick good. to what you're known for? Get the hell yeah. off my page. Well, you know, and I thought to myself, why am I arguing with this guy? Yeah. Block him, because I don't... You know, or somebody got online and started an argument, speed kills doesn't help anybody. It's a wank fest. And I'm thinking, it's helped people from Herman Lee and Corey... Yeah, that- from it's trivium known as and being one of the materials that people use. Well, you know, so I, you know, let them say that somewhere else, but not. It's like coming to my house and getting mud on the carpet. <laughs> you know, yeah, I really yeah exactly. Feel, it's like some, going to your house, being invited for dinner, and then not liking what you served and not liking the beer you have in your fridge. You know, yeah, yeah. Like just yeah. get the uh, get the fuck out. Beer, you know. Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, I, Thing sucks. Why? Well, because it does. Because you're not known for drinking beer. You're known yeah. for drinking. <laughs> you know. But no, uh, I. You know, I, I, it's the world according to Mikey. But uh, I can just say this: I'm really, I'm having a lot of fun, and and I'll t- like it, it's. I'm having more fun now than it, I've always had fun in music. But I'm not afraid of change, and I've done a drastic change on the way I pl- and the way that the career is moving. I, I don't do many clinics anymore. Right. I don't do many one man shows anymore. But I'm super busy. I'm gonna have a new record out on Rat Pack. That's it's. I've written almost all of it. it. Is brutality to the max. It's really heavy, um, and it's just I'm having a lot, I'm having a good time. I'm looking oh. forward to that. Now, your last the the last Nitro album that had the bass player was Victor Wooten, right? Uh, yeah, but we were we're never gonna release those tracks, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. What was just, it like uh, to work with Victor? I mean, was he? Well, here's something. That this is why I'm again why I have a low tolerance for arguing on my own pages. Victor Wooten, um, Chris Adler, the drummer, um, you know, from Lamb of God and Megadeth, he, right. he drums in the Nitro stuff. He said, Wouldn't it be cool to get Victor Wooten? So he contacts Victor. <laughs> Victor says, I'm I would be honored. I'm a Michelangelo f- fan. So he was a wow. fan. Of- Here's a five-time Grammy award-winning bass player. I think in my, in my humble opinion, one of the best bass players on earth. You know, I, I think. I mean, I love Billy Sheehan and all that, but you put Victor. Man, yeah, oh, yeah. Victor, that's, a, that's a tough. That's a tough, I mean, uh, tough comparison. It's just so sick. It's not even funny. And and and, uh, and and his tone is so clear. You know, and and like he gets in these things where it's like Wooten World. You know, it's like okay, yeah. in a different galaxy and and. Uh, but he, it was, it was really great working with him. And, you know, we had to establish stupid things like, okay, we're going to be doing 32-bit floating uh, 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 and, and 48 kilohertz recording. So it's a very high resolution. So, um, you know, we, we had established that first. And then uh, Victor, um, I think he played fantastic on the tracks. You know, I'm just, it's a shame that they'll never see the light of day, but that's not. Yeah. Like, we, there was like a promotional video or something. Cause we yeah. saw some of it and we got to hear some of the material. I don't, I, it, it sounded great. I was looking forward to it. Yeah. I believe me, me too. You know, it's uh, it is what it is. It's a tough and, break, man. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I think things happen in life and, you know, I'm still really close with Jim and, and Gillette and, and I'm still really good friends with uh, Chris Adler. So yeah. we, in yeah. fact, we were just messaging last night. 
So it's a, but he's, they're phenomenal people. And, you know, it's just the whole thing didn't come together. Yeah, and that's yeah. about it. So, um, look at my notes here. Uh, well, we're, I mean, we're kind of getting towards the end of the hour, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think we're, yeah, we're I am there. Uh-huh. Uh, what I wanted to, what I wanted to ask last question, we ask every, well, uh, first thing, w- let's, let's talk about your, your gear real quick. You're using DD Mark amps, right? Yeah. And multi- guitars. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you're, you know, you want to share as an endorsement? Well, I use, uh, I use, um, DV Mark amps are really amazing to me. You know, I, I use, uh, the multi-amp it's like, a, it's, uh, yeah. you know, got everything built in and then I use, uh, you know, Dean guitars. Like you said, I've got a lot of signature guitars over 12 signature models. And then, uh, I use a Chromacast. Uh, they're a really cool company out of California. I use Chromacast cables, Chromacast picks, the string dampeners that, that are my invention. I have a patent on, I didn't invent the string dampener, but I invented one that's so different that, that I was able to patent it. And then, um, uh, and then I use, a, a com- uh, I use mini pedals called from a, a company called Tom's line engineering. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I saw your board and they, they had a, a lot of pedals that looked like they were like the, the they actually they, look a little bit like the Moor ones, but they were nano pedals. Yeah. And, and uh, they're real little and I wear Harley boots. I beat the hell out of them. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I have uh, a signature overdrive, a signature course, and a signature delay. And as much as I like overdrive in the amps, I love the DV Mark overdrive. There's something about a pedal. Um, that I don't use a lot of effects. I have a whole pedal board, but that was actually three pedal boards in one. It's right. My That's what I figured. Acoustic, you know, and you can't really tell the the way it's all situated. It's it's like a maze that fits together. You just have to see where the cables. It's there's an input and an output. And that's the only thing that that matters. Everything else, the way it's put together is really more cosmetic, you know, um, and, you know, it looks really cool, but it's functional. Now, where would we find those uh, those pedals? If Because they're signature pedals or they're they're not available. No, on Amazon. On yeah, Amazon. Every, every, yeah, and uh, Chromacast, too. You can get them on Amazon. Um, Dean Guitars, DV Marks, distributed by uh, Guitar Center. So every GC has got them. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, all the, all, everything I use is very easily and readily available. Yeah, not even that that expensive, really. I mean, given, well, you know, it's the contemporary other options, you know. And yeah. you use the actual production Dean Guitars as well, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I love Joe Bonamassa. You know, he'll pull out that 59 Les Paul Burke. <laughs> You know, I, I've done so many clinics over the years. I can get a great sound of a, out of a two hundred dollar Chinese guitar, and I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah. I can play. I like higher action. So for me, I have certain guitars that I leave in my house that never, you know, they're the sixty, yeah. you know, Jazz Masters and the sixty eight uh, Mustangs and all that stuff. I don't particularly care to play vintage guitars. No. I don't. I I love them because I collect them, but. I, I like them more for the intrinsic value, what it means to me, rather than playing them. I think some of my newer guitars play better than any vintage guitar. And uh, so it doesn't, I mean, people might think that's sacrilegious, but I don't need to go up on stage with a 59 Les Paul. What I like to stage is, is my stack signatures and get a really great sound. And it's only my take on it. You know, yeah. again, it's me doing what I do. It and takes so, nothing from the greatness of a Joe Bonamassa. All right. Last question. Hold on. Hold so, on. So your tech isn't like pulling um, out like, oh, I, I need this pot or I need this pickup or, you know, anything no, but like that. You have the best of the best. I, I do get some of my guitars tweaked, like put stainless steel frets and I might modify them. I have my own signature. Uh, uh, it's, it's a passive pickup, so I'll take... I like EMGs a lot, but I'll take the EMGs out and use passive. Um, so I modify them a little bit. 
Oh, but, and it's not it's not hidden because like you can see it. Like you had one uh, that they didn't even have a pickup in the middle. <laughs> no, no, I put an LED yeah. in it. Yeah. Like, it looks like Iron Man, you know. It's, like, it's super obvious that like you're not yeah. using, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And uh, you know, so but but I use basically the stock instrument, and then you know, I'm a pure like uh, for my recording guitars, I'll have like the pots replaced. I have the best of everything put in, you know. So yeah, I'm a snob about that stuff. But when it comes to like an old guitar. Um, I'm not convinced that just because something's old, it sounds the best or it plays the best. That's sure. you know, it doesn't mean that it's not worth a lot of money because they are, right. you know, because of of their you know their the history. But um, I prefer to play newer guitars and not always the most expensive ones. That's my right. preference. That makes sense. All right. So, and this is my favorite question, which is why I've been so excited to ask it: is Do you have a particularly funny or interesting story that you can share with us? Um. You mean like just being on the road or oh, yeah, yeah. anything and like on the road anything, in a concert? Literally anything. Funny one because I, I have so. I mean, I grew up in. I came up in the '80s hair metal scene, so I have stories from Nitro that would blow your mind. Uh, <laughs> um, but I can tell you this: this is a funny one. On my rider, you know, we have stage plots, we have uh, input lists, and and I have a yeah. clint. I have a, an equipment rider for solo and and for band stuff. So anyway, I always require, especially outside of the United States, you would think that. Nobody knows about air conditioning sometimes. But you go to Asia, and it's 95 degrees in the shade, or India. So, And and then a lot of times in Europe, too, there's no air conditioning. So, um, And it's not that they don't have it. They just don't prefer it like Americans. So um, I require a fan. I always say on the – like if I'm – when I'm doing the meet and greet, there's a fan. So I was playing a show in Italy right outside of Venice, and I walk on the stage, and there's a person sitting on a chair and right by where I'm setting up. and. I plug in my amp, and I get a plug. Oh, no. <laughs> and, 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 and all of a sudden, and I start to hit it up. I go, what are you doing? And he goes, well, you said you wanted a fan on stage. Tell me I'm amazing. That's awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> now, that's a literal translation. Well, at least you were listening. I've had it. I, now, here's the cool thing. I've had it happen twice. Here's another <laughs> I, We were playing in Guatemala. I was playing with Carmine Apiece, the, the famous okay. The owner of Dean Guitars. Oh, yeah, great guy. It's a pretty big show. There's a couple thousand people there packed. And after after the show, Carmine likes to swear a lot. And he's oh, yeah, he does. Greatest <laughs> guys, greatest drummers in the world. Amazing person. And he's like, and it's hot as hell backstage. And, and he's like, he goes, and he tells my security guy, he goes, it's fucking hot in here, man. He goes, bring me a fucking fan. He goes, I want a fucking fan. And so, and, and he's like, you know, and it's boiling hot. It's like 100 degrees backstage and humid. <laughs> All of a sudden, the door opens, and this chick is like, Michael! Ah! <laughs> he goes, I don't mean a fan. He goes, I want a fucking fan. So it's happened to me twice, and, and uh, I'm sure it'll happen again. But we want a regular fan that blows air, and not for the Steve Vai purpose. We yeah, just yeah. want a fan for to cool us off you know and then i had one time where where somebody was uh it was on that central america tour uh, they were blowing pot smoke in the fan by me we were playing voodoo (laughs) amazing jamming drummer he grew up in that area so we were going off and i said and like we're and this guy is like you could see him on the stage i had the fan he's blowing weed and like all this the whole stage smelled like pot i I was playing some crazy notes by the end of this too and, and i don't even get high and uh, but it was fun. But anyway, that's 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 it. That's awesome. <laughs> that is <laughs> that's that's the best one we've had so that far. That is awesome. <laughs>
I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No. I mean, it's so far over the top. Um, well, we would. <laughs> We wanted to thank you for coming on the show. We, we obviously um, we're still growing. We've only been around for about six months now. Um, we're we're aiming high, and uh, I was glad that to get the opportunity to meet you the other night, and then to have you on the show is is fantastic, man. That's awesome, we man. really appreciate. It. And I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing you here in either Hampton or Virginia Beach or Norfolk. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, you come out this way, and because um, when I mentioned last night, um, I had a gig last night, and uh, the other guitar player. Um, I said, yeah, I'm having a, um, an interview tomorrow. We're going to talk to Michelangelo about it. He goes, oh, my God, I was listening to Nitro because he's a, he's a doctor yeah. in the Navy. And so he was <laughs> flying to and from San Diego, and he was listening to Nitro all the way over and all the way back. So, Dude, the yeah. couple of people I mentioned it to went off the hook. I was in a guitar store yesterday. I was talking to the guy. He's like, hey, I met him in an airport in Shanghai. It, yeah. it, you know, and I, he's like, he was super cool. He's like, I, I really glad you're, you know, getting the interview. Him. I was like, yeah, I, I, everything that everybody, you know, all roads lead to you in a way. Yep. And it seems like everybody like has nothing but good things to say. So yeah, I, I have not met a single person with a negative thing. Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, I, I like people and, you know, the, the people that support you make the career. But, you know, I just like people anyway, you know, regardless of that. And, and uh it's fun for me, you know. So, I mean, what's so hard about, you know, taking a photo or taking a few minutes to talk to somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very, you know, even in, like, because where you were playing the other night is a, is a smaller club. Um, I rarely see that the acts, like, hanging out in the bar and stuff. And that was really cool, like, just to be able to, like, know that you, you're a man of the people. And you're not afraid to do that. So Yeah, I had, and I had some... Uh, people there that I've known, like one of my neighbors that had moved, she was there, you know, so, you know, people that I know support it. So it'd be kind of weird for me not to, you know, to stay backstage and, and that, but uh, yeah, I enjoy it. And uh, yeah. anyway, thanks. I, I have to get going now. Thank so. you. Okay, okay, cool. We really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Dave. Yep. Bye. Bye. Oh, wow. That was, that was funny. I'm I, still I, having, I'm still having a moment about the fans. <laughs> I was dying. I had to mute my microphone because I started. I started laughing so hard. I was spitting. <laughs> I was spitting my soda all over the place. I wonder if he was running out because he had to go shovel his driveway. I'm looking at the snow falling out here, and it's pretty crazy. It is eighty something degrees. I, I'm literally sweating, sitting in my in my living room. I don't want to turn on the AC because I know it'll be forty degrees the minute I do it. But oh my god! So <clears throat> yeah, what's funny is when he mentioned that. So last night. Um, our bass player always brings a little fan he puts in front of him and blows on it. And my joke is always, I'd like to thank our fan. And I point at the little fan. Yeah, the <laughs> single fan. And then this is the exact opposite. It's, it's, I cannot believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible. Like, I was, I, I got to say, just looking back at, the, at our discussion with him, we, we, we went through uh, a long wow. process to get this interview. Um, and, and there were a couple of times where we weren't sure it was going to happen. And then it ended up happening. Cause Michael's just such a great guy. And yeah. I have to say like, this has been one of the, one of the better experiences we've had doing this show so far. Yeah. Um, I, I hope to have many more, but um, I think every one of our interviews has been very eye opening. Um, and yeah, it's, say, specifically because yeah. I think even I fall into the trope of like, assuming that people that play a specific type of music are a specific way. I think we all do it to a certain extent. It's the way our brains are wired. Um, and just to hear him talk about some, like the Beatles, like you would never think a guy that was in nitro was like into rubber soul, you well, know, Earth, wind and fire. Oh yeah. Or earth, wind and fire. But I, I love earth, wind and fire too. So, I mean, it was just, 
It was just um, eye-opening, really great. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed uh, doing it. Um, We we want to, again, uh, thank Michelangelo Obedio for giving us an hour of his time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Actually, it was a little more than an hour when you consider the amount of time we did for setup. Um, Go go check out his music. Like, you can find it on uh, Apple Music and stuff. Um, Hands Without Shadows is a great record. I w- I'd highly recommend you, you know, you check that one out first. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, if you see him in your local town, go 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 check him out. Yeah. His ticket prices aren't too bad. And, uh, you know, it's it's a fun show. So, yep. Yep. Great thing. Well, thanks, everybody. And uh, I've been Jim. And I've been David. And we've been the Practical Guitarist.